Yo, what's good, LL Nation? Lucky Lefty Podcast. We are in the building, waiting for my man Malik Zaire to join us right now. We are featuring and brought to you by Anora Whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. If you are in the South Bend area, somewhere around the campus, wherever your local spirits are sold, Ask them about Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. What's up, everybody? LL Nation, thank you for tapping in. We got a special guest. It is still Malik's birthday week, and we have been celebrating since Monday, and we're going to continue to celebrate. Special guest tonight, special guest tomorrow night, and then we have another special guest ending out the week on Friday. So. Trying to wait for Malik to get on. He said he needed five minutes, like 10 minutes ago. Uh, he's finally getting all of his equipment back in order. And hopefully you guys have a question, comment that we'll get to later on in the show. Of course, as always, we'll have the petty train. We'll knock that out. And once we're done with our special guests, we'll begin to talk about the path to greatness for one Tyler Buckner this spring. The path to greatness for one Tyler Buckner. DA, I see you, DA number 36 bus. No, this is the uh, Sydney Moncrief. This is the Sydney Moncrief Bucks joint. <laughs> Dude, Matt 2011 GT, thank you for tapping in. Waiting for Malik is like waiting for my wife. Oh, man. So, LL Nation, we thank you. And uh, I'm going to give them maybe a few more seconds. And after that, I'm going to bring on the special guest who's in the wings waiting. Um, you guys would know him. Appreciate him so much for giving us some time to come on, talk a little bit about Notre Dame, Notre Dame football, and what he's doing in his life. And uh, whenever uh, Malik joins us, I'm sure the conversation will take off then about some of the times they shared at Notre Dame. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring on our special guest today. He was known as number three, all-around athlete, player. He was a transfer in, so I want to talk about that. And then we'll talk about the difference between the two programs that he was part of that happen to be rivals. So let's welcome in LL Nation to the Lucky Lucky Podcast. Number three in your hearts, Notre Dame's own, Amir Carlisle. Welcome in to the Lucky Lucky Podcast. What's going on, my brother? Uh, thank you. Thank you, man. Nothing much, nothing much. Just enjoying this nice Wednesday afternoon. How about with yourself? Man, great. We're waiting for Malik to join us. Think he's handling some daddy duties before he can hop on. <laughs> I don't but, feel that. Yo, just let let the Notre Dame fan base know what you've been up to since the time you left Notre Dame. I see that you're still back up in North North, North California, yeah, where you uh, were born and, and raised. So, yeah. uh, what do you, what do you have going up there? Yeah, man. So, shoot, been on the entrepreneurial journey for a few years now. Um, it's been a been an awesome journey. Um, actually, we're launching. We can dive deeper into this, uh, but launching a, a, a digital banking platform. Um, mm. You know, one of my passions. Uh, you know, 
shoot, my whole life has really been, you know, financial inclusion and really, you know, empowering, you know, underserved communities around this concept of financial literacy. And um, that's really been been my passion project since I've, you know, stopped playing. It's about how can we provide better systems to really educate, provide access to resources, opportunities, and, uh, you know, and capital um, for people that traditionally haven't had that access. So I've been, you know, me deep, neck deep um, in this this fintech world, um, you know, since my my playing days. So it's, it's it's definitely been been fun. I'm out here in the bay, so you know, having a chance to rub elbows with all of these great minds out here, it's it's infectious. So just building building, man, trying to build for a better future is really what I've been up to. I'm glad you brought that up. Recently, I read an article, and they were talking about how the tech industry really hasn't jumped on the NIL train, like some of the schools up there in Northern California anticipated. You know, why do you think that is the case? Are they sitting back waiting or is it just the star power with the programs out there really hasn't drawn the attention of tech companies? Yeah, I think it's definitely a combination of both. Um, you know, from the people that I've had a chance to to get to know, you know, many of them kind of approach life as investors and it's, you know, life, you're investing your time each day. And, you know, when they're building companies, you know, you're investing in a return on your investment. And so, you know, with NIL being so new, you know, I, I'd uh, assume that many people just don't want to dive in head first who are, who are in that space and want to just kind of get an understanding of really what the value is being brought to the company and what value can be brought to the athletes themselves. Um, and then also too, shoot, you know, a star power thing. I don't, right now, I'm not really as familiar with the, the athletes that are coming up out of the schools around here right now. Yeah. Um, but shoot, it's not like a, you know, a Bryce Young or, you know, these, these star athletes at, you know, Alabama, Ohio State type of brand. So that also plays into it. You know, at the end of the day, the, these companies want to make money and, and make money with a larger following. So I think that that plays a little role into it as well. Man, Lucky Lefty Podcast, we're yeah. pleased to have former Notre Dame great Amir Carlisle on the program. And now, the birthday boy. We've been mm -hmm. representing his birthday all week. What's good, Overtime? We here with it. We here with it, Young Amir. Good, Malik. How are you? Oh, What's, your, What's your birthday? Uh, it was yesterday, the 28th. Oh, man. I'm terrible. Happy birthday, bro. Happy man, birthday, thanks. man. You know how it is. Just I got my grand piano back here. Man, you know, you back feel in the spot. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice spot. So we were, uh, we were Malik, man. We were just talking about the tech companies up in the Bay Area shying away from being connected to the programs up there and not really grabbing hold to NIL and investing in players. And because Stanford, San Jose State, they actually anticipated that they might have an advantage being so close to the tech companies. And Amir was just telling us why that is. And I just want to go into this, man, because we kind of talked about this yesterday. Hey, that's a dope varsity jacket, my brother. You represent. Hey, still rocking it to this yes, day. Sir. To this hey, day. That was a harder you work. Got, you got yours still, Malik? Oh, you know I got mine. Oh, I, I, I wear it on special occasions when I yeah. step out. about the man. house just right. You know, so, Will. Go ahead. I was gonna say Will lost his jacket. He was over here emailing Reggie Reggie Brooks. Like, man, I need to get my jacket. I need my jacket. I said, ah, Dad, how you lose your jacket, man? How you lose your jacket? That's like man, losing your helmet. Right, man, that's and that's Rudy we wearing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
That's right. That's right. The reason I brought up your jacket, mm-hmm. other than it being super fresh, mm-hmm. is that we were talking about Notre Dame players in the new legacy program that Marcus Freeman has put together. And former Notre Dame players have received emails about what's going to be going on surrounding this year's Blue and Gold game and monthly Zoom links and meetings between current players, former players, and coaches and staff. And we heard what Wes Pritchett, a former Notre Dame player, member of the 1988 championship team, had to say. He said he hadn't been invited to a Blue and Gold game in 35 years. And he was just happy that somebody from Notre Dame reached out. Malik, you talked to Tim Brown during Super Bowl week out there in L.A., and he said he wasn't coming back to a game until Notre Dame treated him right and, and got him a spot and, you know, let him gave him access to the stadium without having to have a ticket. You, yeah, he's you, like, he ain't staying in no hotels, man. Right, right. Amir, when you wear that jacket and with the blood, sweat, and tears that you put in to earn that jacket, mm. do you feel like you should automatically have field access anytime you show up in South Bend? Yeah, I, I say so. I say <laughs> so. You know, we, man, we went through a lot. We went through a lot. Camp Kelly, spring, yeah. 6 a.m. Yeah, you know, we at least look pregame field access. Maybe you know, we don't need to be on there the whole time. We're, we ain't trying to steal know. the show from yeah, the team, yeah. but yeah, you know, pre- we, we need our pictures. You know, pregame field access. Then we'll go up to the booth or whatever we got to go on. Matter of fact, sit us right in the front. I mean, you know, where yeah. the recruits sitting, but like, right, you know, let us know that we out there supporting mm-hmm. the force. I mean, I feel that. <laughs> So, man, no, tell me about it. Like, would you prefer, like you see with Alabama, Georgia, and other SEC programs, do you want that vibe? Do you guys want that vibe when you're just right there on the field? Well, Georgia has, like, Quavo on the sideline, and he didn't even you – know, Right. I mean, right. they really they really be going crazy on – anytime Georgia's playing a big game, their sideline looks like the, like the club or something. So – uh obviously that that plays into a part for them wanting to come back because they have such great success and it must mean teams that do that Alabama does something similar but teams that do do that usually win championships i mean Alabama had what like Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry doing a coin toss one year <laughs> in street in street clothes so it's like uh that type of family is only generated when you're having a lot of success on a, in a program like that where guys want to come back because they usually winning all the time. So being seen and remembered is something that uh that happens a lot when you're coming from a winning program. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Mm-hmm. Amir Carlisle is joining us once again. Amir, before we get into like talking about specific games and your time in Notre Dame mm-hmm. and like what made you ultimately transfer in from USC, were you part of this whole basketball trash talk? When you were at Notre Dame, because I said yeah. your brothers, your brothers talk a lot of trash, man. And I don't know about yeah. whether any of them yeah. really who. So, so I was pretty. You know, I was the captain of the teams. It was you, me versus Everett Ghost's teams most of the times. And I was, I was a facilitator. I mean, Malik saw more. You know, me and Ev used to go. You know, we used to go to battle out there because he didn't pass to anybody. I couldn't play with him, so I used to go. <laughs> I used to go against him all the time. But now, nah, it man, I. We used to have some some great great times out there in in Rolf's playing five on five. Proudest moment when we went toe to toe with the basketball team. I was like, okay, That's you right. know, we we got some here. We got some athletes here. With uh, 
but CJ, CJ was bodying Bonzi Colson. That's right. Fell down. That's the party I did still playing. <laughs> we said, man, we look, we're athletes. That's what we, we showed. We said football players, we athletes. Uh, but nah, I I was definitely top top three. I was top three out there. Oh. It's all around skills. Like I wasn't the scorer, but I was a facilitator. I was a game manager. I was the leader. Made sure my team was in the right defense. They were hedging their screens, helping uh, off. Uh, you know. So he was communicating. Oh, no, Mac hey, Johnson. Hey, here, I Mac got a good John. story. I got a good story. Malik gonna be mad about this story because he always tells it differently. So we were playing two on two <laughs> <laughs> with Doug Randolph and Max Redfield. And and Doug was surprisingly athletic. I didn't realize Doug could actually like jump. I didn't know Doug was like a real like he could move like that. And it was game point. And so Malik was on Doug. I was on Max. Doug drove by Malik. I looked like I was about to help, but he had a look in his eye. Malik came around the side of him and he jumped on Malik for game. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now remember he he said. he, he drove past. He, blew by, he drove past Malik, caught up on his side. Oh, was no. about to help, and then I said, "Nah," and he, Malik got dunked on. So, so ask <laughs> me here. Point. Did he jump? Did it, did you jump up there and there? I didn't even did jump. You try to stop? Oh. <laughs> I didn't even jump. I said, "Look, I'm not trying to put myself in that situation right now." So, I let Malik take it. I was a bad teammate. I should have, you know. Try to take a charge or something. Are you sure but, you wasn't in the air? I'm pretty sure you was the reason hey, why they was going and on. Because hey, remember, they drove past me. Hey, I wasn't in the air at all. I can I remember that clearly. But I do oh, say I, this though. I do say this. Malik was one of the top players out there. That was my two-on-two partner. We stuck right. together regardless. <laughs> that was just our low moment. That was the low moment of our two-on-two days. <laughs> Yo. I have to say, Malik, you know this, man. Everybody, CJ, Tory, like everybody we've talked to, everybody was top three. <laughs> everybody thinks they're top three. Everybody, the top three was big. Saying. The top three was man, big. It's C- a lot of people CJ was wasn't top three. CJ could not shoot. <laughs> yeah, CJ, CJ would break the backboard. Yeah, he's a backboard killer. But Good athlete. the one thing that comes out of everybody's mouth, that cat Ev was a gun. <laughs> Everybody says that. He's Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook. He could make him, though. He could make him. He just wasn't. He was a gun, and he just would be mad if you didn't pass him the ball. Yeah, he would so he be just, like, why are you not pa- like, yeah, why he, passing to me? Yeah, like, I don't know why you wouldn't He do. would make the, the game very unpleasant at times. You know? <laughs> Like he'll be have an attitude if you took it out or if you would add a shot. He'd be like, What are you shooting for? This right. is my <laughs> basically. Bro, well, that's all, exactly out of all the conversations, I think the most that's been shocking to myself and LL Nation and Notre Dame fans is that several of the players were like, Yo, that cat Mike McGlinchey could really hoop. <laughs> McGlinchey was, like, was good, yeah. I was like, really? They're like, yo, McGlinchey could hoop, dude. McGlinchey was he, nice. He was so yeah. yeah, he was, <laughs> man. McGlinchey was nice. And thoughts on Ronnie. Thoughts on Ronnie's hoop game. Because it used to be McGlinchey versus Ronnie, and I'm like, 
Ronnie was, well, a, you know, supposed. Ronnie, Ronnie never, he always coasted, you know. McGlinchey always coasted, him. man. Too big to be, you know, not really backing down on the block and trying to put, you know, dunk on somebody. Oh, yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie was trying to be, he was trying to play like Cat up in Minnesota. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to shoot threes and stuff. Yeah, like, Ronnie, yeah, yeah. Doing? Ronnie finesse, man. He's too big to be finesse. <laughs> Lucky Lucky Podcast. Amir Carlisle joins mm. myself, Sean Davis. And Malik Zaire. So you go to USC. What transpires that ultimately gets you to end up in South Bend? Yeah, so Notre Dame was my shoot. I kind of went through a a lot of different. I had a terrible decision making process, and when I was a kid, you know, eighteen. <laughs> I mean, I had a good. You know, obviously my family was great, but like, you know, you eighteen years old, you feel like you could go anywhere. You know how it is. You know. You guys sat there and it's like, dang, I could go here. I could go here. And so initially I wanted to, you know, I was committed to Stanford and, uh, you know, Stanford was right in my backyard. Then I was like, dang, you know, my friends are like, why do you want to go? You know, you could just basically live at home. Why would you go to Stanford? So I was like, okay, dang, let me go to an official visit to USC. Um, went out down there, you know, LA, SC was still good at the time. And it was like, oh snap. I had never really spent time in LA and, uh, I was like, man, this this is dope. Um, and then I went to Notre Dame. And then Notre Dame, it was a one of the biggest snowstorms out there. And I was like, dang, this is snow is terrible. But like the actual tradition itself around the school, it was like you could feel that, like without you know, even being cliche, it was like, you know, touchdown Jesus, you know, the golden dome. Um, I really didn't know much about Notre Dame previously. So I did, you know, research, I obviously watched the movie Rudy, and it was like dang, a lot of this stuff hasn't changed in years. Like, this is really tradition. And, like, the fans are coming to the game regardless, rain or shine, you know, 1-11 or 12-0. and 0. Um, And that was special. It was like you didn't have that at Stanford where, you know, fans were reading books in the stadium. You didn't have that at SC when they weren't winning. Um, you know, there was nobody in the stadium. Um, ultimately made that decision to go to, you know, sunny California, Southern California initially. Uh, but Notre Dame was always the place that I really wanted to be. I just didn't want to be too far from my family. Um, and my dad, he was with the 49ers at the time, ended up um, being let go when the coaching staff was let go and then went to Purdue. And when they went to Purdue, it opened that door. It was like, okay, you know, my family's now in Indiana. Um, you know, let's make that move now. So made, you know, a couple calls um, and, you know, took another visit to the school. And I was like, you know, shoot, I really want to be here. You know, this is, they, they, they really preach that this is a 40 year decision um, and really like the guys that were on the team. That was the dopest thing about it. Like the school itself, you know, from an experience standpoint, it is what you make it. It's definitely not Los Angeles. It's not USC in terms of like always stuff to do, but the group of guys that came in, like, we're all still friends to this day. And that's what made it, you know, so fun to me. It was like, you know, hey, Malik, you know, let's go, you know, get some food. Let's go to Frankie's Barbecue today. Or like, let's go play 2K. And it was really just a group of guys that we had that just made it a, you know, it made it such an enjoyable experience. Um, and so, man, you know, it was definitely a, a great decision um, that, you know, it was family that got me there, um, but it was really the people that kept me there. With everything you're doing, have you had an opportunity to see what the players at Notre Dame are doing with the Irish Players Club selling of NFTs with 70, uh, I believe 78% of the proceeds are going directly to the players on the roster? They launched it yesterday at irishplayersclub.com. They held a um, clubhouse last week. 
and they had 2023 and 24 recruits listening in to the launch and what it was going to mean. And then for me, it was, I thought it was very creative for the current players to put this together since they don't might not have the same type of uh, Texas A&M money to just throw the recruits to come and commit to Texas and Texas A&M. What are your thoughts about the Irish Players Club and the current roster putting together that uh, exciting move? Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts here. That's real right. quick before we dive into it. Um, who? So who's behind it? I saw. So one of the kids that uh, reposted it, I actually was training him. So I saw it when he posted on um, his Instagram. But who? Who's behind the project? So former player Mika Soft is one of the co-founders, okay. and I believe he. Had, I believe he has another. Uh, I think Logan Diggs is one of the founders, who's a current player as well. Those are the only two names I know for sure. They're a part of it. So it's it's current and former Notre Dame players that found yeah. everything. Okay, okay. So thoughts here. I think it's dope. I think it's awesome. I think it's the next wave of how brand marketing is going to operate. Um, I am a big advocate of Web3. Um, in terms of meeting Web3, it's really how can you take ownership of your communities um, and how do you really create aligned interests with your community and i think this is it's a very creative way to create that aligned interest it brings the fans in where they feel like they have more ownership of or not necessarily ownership but they feel more involvement to the players it creates a, a closer direct connection because now i'm not sure how they're going about it but you know you could tie that nft to to different perks, different events, you know, merchandise, gloves, now that they can actually make money off of things. Um, so I think it it really begins to authenticate and create a more genuine connection between players and fans. I think it's a super creative way to monetize on behalf of the players um, from two ways. One is just for them making money. And then two, um, I think it really it's a, it's a recruiting advantage and I, i've seen that model a couple times and i think it's going to be a model that's really used um because what it is it's like you know it's bringing us into this kind of common pursuit which is notre dame football we all love notre dame football how can we feel like we're a more a part of it um and kind of what we talk about just you know us being a part of the football team, us being a part of the school itself. Like when you said, why do I wear this jacket? Um, and it really comes down to, you know, community as well. You know, that being a part of that type of community, you know, people who are purchasing this Players Club NFT could be, you know, businessmen. They could be businesswomen um, that could really actually add value to the players themselves. And so I think it really provides um, beyond just the picture. The picture itself, I think, is really just a representation of how powerful that community can become. Um, and I think it's 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 the first step to really building these aligned communities. And really, um, I think we'll start to see more more of this at the professional ranks. Um, because it's 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 so dope um, when you can really begin to the, the fans and the players are the two sides that make the game go without the fans. The game is not popular and without the players, the game is not played. And so how can you really begin to maximize value between these two sides? And I think NFTs really provide that bridge where we can really begin to unlock different experiences um, and different connections where we can really begin to build together. So that's really kind of, I think it's dope. Um, and I think it's really going to be a recruiting play um, for these kids, like you said, 2023, 2024 um, and beyond. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Do you think the impact on recruiting is going to extend kids 
time at Notre Dame, like they're going to be more willing to spend that four years being in this NFT area where they're getting a check every semester from the proceeds of people buying these NFTs. Mm. Where do you think that a, that's a good thing for college football, getting these kids to stay these all these years, even if they, you know, possibly can maybe, maybe not get to NFL, get four years of really building an income uh, aside of being a student athlete? Yeah, I, I think kids will definitely spend more time in college now. You look at someone like Jason White from back in the day, um, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, but, you know, he didn't have a career that panned out in the NFL. Imagine, you know, if you're in his position, you're going to maximize every single dollar that you can get in college because, you know, shoot, that was the pinnacle of his athletic career. That was probably his, you know, peak earning um, period. And so, you know, you have kids, like, as you know, there's a lot of, you know, players that don't necessarily translate very well to the NFL, but could be star athletes. Um, and so I think from their standpoint, yeah, shoot, I'd stay longer. Even if you're not a star athlete, man, you know how many people were, you know, coming to us like, hey, we'd love to talk to you about this. We'd love, you know, how many doors were open while we were playing. Um, nowadays, it's, 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 it's different. It's different doors that open for different reasons. But those doors open so easily while we were playing because we were there. We were in the limelight. They were watching us. They were hearing our name. And so, shoot, even if I'm not a star player, I'm like, dang, well, I might start a business now. And let me see if I can leverage some of these connections that are, you know, in my DM saying good game to create my business or whatever it may be. But heck, yeah, I would maximize as much time as I, you know, I'm at this kind of peak notoriety to really leverage these connections and relationships and in the brand of Notre Dame itself to, to really maximize my, my money I can make. So let's go to your playing days in Notre Dame. Memorable games. You had the game against Michigan to lead start mm. off that season. Mm. Incredible game. Mm. Just talk about because I'm interested in seeing if this conversation stays the same. The most talented team you were on was the year of. Well, definitely. This it's no. There's no uh, second thought. It was 2015. Oh god. <laughs> 2015. Man, man, that team was crazy talented. Now that we look back on it, um we were just, you know, shoot a couple play calls away from, you know, being in the national championship. Like the talent we had on that team is crazy. Now we just kind of think about it like, dang, like like look at the offensive line alone like how many we had three top 10 picks on the offensive line, a second round pick at center, and then Steve Elmer was a, you know, he was an NFL player too who just decided not to play. Yeah, he just decided he didn't want to. Um, he, just, like he just decided he didn't want to. And it's like running backs like CJ was it Tifo, Dex, you know, and like even the even the young guys on the team were like Miles Boykin, Equinemius, Chris Fink, like shoot, they all in the NFL. So it's like that team yeah, was crazy Guyton. from a talented. Yeah. yeah. Was the guy you know that team or the year before? Uh, he was EQ. Him, EQ, and Miles are yeah. all in the leagues together. Oh, they were the year after. Yeah, they were the year after. But they were there. No, they were the year. That was 2015. But I, I know Miles got. I mean, Jalen Guyton left. I don't know if he yeah, left. Yeah. No, or was he? No, he was there. Yeah. Jaylen okay. Guyton. Yes. So yeah. All three of them there. are in the league right now. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, that, it just it weird. yeah, we were deep. So now that's it. Even back then, the wide receivers couldn't get on the field, man. You had EQ, Jalen Brown, and Miles just, just standing on the sideline. Man, get on you know, the field. 
targets were, you know, they were hard to come by, man. And then, you know, then you, ask, then you add Will, just throw it to Will, and he going to score. So I'm like, dang, I'm trying to get some targets here. You feel me? Yeah, <laughs> it was tough. Yeah, it was tough getting the ball. Yeah. When, because Will was a late addition. If I'm not mistaken, Will was committed to Penn State. Yeah. And Notre Dame, you guys flipped him late. Did you know immediately once Will got to like his first practice, like, yo, this dude is ridiculously fast? Or did it just kind of come over time, like, okay, this dude is he's gonna be kind of nice? Hey, I got my Will story. So Will gonna get mad that I told this story, but I stand by the story. So I always look when I my I took pride in like identifying young guys that had talent and really spending a lot of time with them. Gas Malik. I, I spent, I picked them. I was like, look, I feel like they got potential, whether it be on the field or whether they got potential in the business world. And I would spend time with them. And Will, somebody who we, the, um, I wanted to go to this thing called Domer Dance. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so how, how me and Will started talking, I needed a t shirt and to get the Domer Dance, but he, he could only get that t shirt. I wanted to just, you know, check out, scope the scene, see, you know, see the new kids coming to campus. And, um, and so that's how we started talking. And we used to talk during that season. That was my, was that 2013? His freshman year was 2013. And so that season, that was, I was coming back from uh, my ankle injury and um, started to the first two or three games, ended up fumbling in Purdue. And I got benched that year for pretty much the whole season after that. It was a pretty, it was a tough time for me mentally because it was like, you know, I knew I was talented, but, you know, the coaches, I made one mistake and they had a short leash. And so I never had a chance to really get back out there that season. Um, and so me and him spent a lot of time on the sideline together. So we used to just, you know, talk at practice on the sideline. And um, I remember it was Stanford and uh, he got out there, you know, I, he got out there, he like toasted the DB and then uh, Tommy had underthrew him. So he came back to the sideline and he said, dang, bro, I could have been a hero. I said, look, bro. <laughs> I said, look, you're going to get your time. You're going to be the hero. Trust me. It and it's crazy that his sophomore year, and that's when, you know, the rest was history in terms of what, you know, he did and put his name into the record books. But it was really during those times in practice um, and having all those conversations, I was like, you know, this dude, he really, you know, he got something. He didn't come in as like a highly acclaimed recruit, but like, man, he would run like a little lizard on top of water. Um, and nobody could catch him. So that was, you know, that's my, my one Will story from his freshman year. Yeah. I second that. Will definitely would just – he didn't come in highly acclaimed, but it was it just was – for me, it was one-on-ones. It was just like he ran a go-route one time, and it was just so – Will was just so Will at the time, and it was the, the speed in it. And at the time, people were underthrowing him. And then he went into the Michigan State game after like a couple one-on-ones we saw during the week. Gets to the Michigan State game against Trey Waynes, and and this is like, you know, Trey Waynes. He was like top corner at the time. Next thing you know, dude, dude, dude takes off and he catches. And it was a it was a great catch, by the way. The, the catch is a hard, over the shoulder type of deal, but he burnt them, you know. And that was just like the thing that stuck out. Like, oh, he he burnt them though. Like, okay, we got something, you know. We got because TJ at the time was the one. Right, that was the he was the one at that time, so we was force feeding TJ, but TJ wasn't like as fast as Will, so it was like he became like that Tyreek Hill, 
take the top off. And then that's when the Rucker game came around. And, you know, that pinstripe bowl where he burnt some dudes again, like Lemire was saying. And Tommy underthrew a couple post routes. And we were just like, damn, yeah, we just all knew that he was going to be the targeted guy coming in the next year for sure. It's funny you guys both mentioned Tommy in the story, the stories about Will. Like, is it any way while you're playing with this guy that you say to yourself in 2021, 2022, he's going to be the offensive coordinator in Notre Dame? I did. <laughs> I the one thing about Tommy, he was the he was smart. He he was just as smart as the coaches we always used to say. So I definitely could see it. Yeah, man, he was the level of. Like, his just football IQ was crazy. I just knew Coach Kelly loved him and loved him up like a like a son almost. So I knew if anything was going to happen, Tommy was going to be the first player to be anything close to a coach, Coach Kelly. So, Malik, we can settle the debate now, right? That's why I asked him the question about the most talented team because Malik – Malik really loves the 2014 squad. Like, the way you guys started off, injuries. Malik is like, yo, that 2014 team really doesn't get a lot of credit. They were super talented. Everybody talks about 2015. What was the difference between those two years, in your opinion, Amir? Was it just simply injuries? Or did something click in the summer, in the spring, leading up to the 15 season? that you felt like, okay, we're going to be different going into 15? Yeah, 14, we just – it was, you know, it was a great team. Um, just kind of mid-season, things just went downhill after the Florida State game for us, and we just, you know, couldn't catch up. It kind of just snowballed um, where, you know, little problems just kind of just started stacking on little problems, and we were just making uh, more mental mistakes as a team. Uh, but I think, you know, shoot, I think we were like going into that game. If we would have won that game and we were able to ride that momentum, we definitely would have, you know, gone to, I don't know if it was playoffs that year, if it was BCS, but I think, yeah, we would, we would have made it far. I think, you know, the next year, um, shoot, a couple things just rolled our way a little bit more. Um, and you know, great camaraderie again, it was a great group of guys. We spent a lot of time in the off season. I know, you know, Malik could attest yeah. to it, man, he, you know, we would be on the field every day, spring ball after practice. Let's get some extra throwing in summertime. Let's get out there. Man, we were running speed schools. We were getting some extra running in. Like we really spent time going into that season to really build the camaraderie. Like Malik and the receivers, man, we were out there every single day after workouts, after three fifties, let's get some routes in. At least let's get, you know, catch some passes. So it was a lot of time we just spent together just to really just get, the year before was, you know, a little of those details kind of didn't go our way. The next year it was like, okay, you know, these details are going to go our way. It just we had some injuries that didn't go our way that we couldn't really, you know, you can't really do anything about that. But I think that was really the, it was just the attention to detail going into that 2015 season. But the talent was there both years. Out of those two years, what was the most devastating loss that you still think about the most? <sighs> Me personally? Yeah. Stanford. 2015. Yeah, that was tough. That was, that tough was mine. That's definitely mine, 100%. Now, Clemson was definitely devastating, but like Stanford would have so been, I think, yeah, if we, we would have gone to the playoffs if we would have won that. And it was like, we thought we won, and they, you know, kicked the field goal to win the game at the end. Um, 
which was sad, but I'd say that one. I say definitely was Stanford for me. All right, Lucky Lefty Podcast, Malik Zaire, Sean Davis, special guest Amir Carlisle joining us here tonight. Malik, man, look, he just talked about tonight's show was all about the running back room and how important <laughs> the running back room is to a quarterback, especially a first-time quarterback. And you made the statement yesterday how important and how comfortable Torian made it for you when you were getting ready to start your first game, knowing that he was back there. And just the fact that he got stronger as the game went on. And if you really weren't on your game, you could depend on him to go ahead and get three, four yards pretty much every time you gave him a rock. So with no incumbent quarterback for Notre Dame, we know there's going to be a battle between Drew Pine, Tyler Buckner. You want your guy, Audric Estimate, to be the workhorse and the guy to step up and really show out in the running back room. You have Chris Tyree and the rest of the cast. But why is it so important? Why is it so important for quarterbacks to have that offensive line, especially as first-time starters, and those running backs you can depend on, especially in the springtime as they get prepared to go into fall camp and start the season? Well, the biggest part of it is that you're gonna you're gonna force the defense to give you one on ones. A lot of what happened in 2015, where we had a lot of success because we could run the football, teams would just play us in man and try to stack the box. Gave us a lot of opportunities to hit guys like Amir and Will and Corey on one on one opportunities down the field, which made it hard because now we can stretch the field and run it even if the box is stacked. So. With Harry Heastan being back and, and building that offensive line to be better than their average offensive line in college football, you're going to have some opportunities to run with a talented group back there. I believe Aldrich Estimate would do great from just, you know, having to put eight guys in there because he's going to he's gonna make it hard for guys to tackle him with one guy, which is going to give Tyler the opportunity to throw a lot of one-on-ones. He doesn't have to do a bunch of reading zones. They know they're going to give him some man opportunities on third down and as a young guy that's what you probably want the most block it up lock it up and then throw your one-on-ones outside your one-on-ones to your matchups when you got guys like styles you got fast guys like Lindsay coming back and avery davis coming back young amir call him young amir mm -hmm. young avery davis you're gonna have you're gonna have some uh, opportunities to do some special things which is i think could be the benefit for tyler to have a strong running game with, you know, Diggs and Chris Tyree, who can play both in the slot and in the backfield. And then you put in some Audrey Gestamay at third, second, third quarter to really get some ground and pound in there. You really got you a nice concoction for a quarterback to, for a first year quarterback to at least get comfortable enough to be in big games and not feel like he has to do it all himself. So Amir, the same question for you, but from a different point of view. It's like as a wide receiver, you talked about identifying young guys that you thought had promise. Mm -hmm. Like if you were there now with no incumbent and you have Tyler Buckner, who most people would love to go ahead and win the job. Mm -hmm. Like, are you waiting for him to take the lead to say, yo, receivers, let's go put in more work after us training or after this practice? Or as a receiver, are you going to him saying, yo, let's go to the field and let's get it done? So you want your quarterback to be the one that says, you know, let's get out there. And that's what Malik used to do all the time. Like I wanted to get out there 
just as bad as he wanted to get out there. But, you know, he was the one like, hey, let's get a little extra work. You know, those days where you might not feel like you want to, you know, run some routes. And so I think it's got to come from from the quarterback. You know, he's the leader. He's the one that facilitates everything out there and really sets the tone and the culture for the team. And you want, you know, that individual really to be, you know, a grinder and spend those hours. We, you know, we we went out there and went to battle for Malik because we knew, you know, after practice, he wasn't just throwing, but he was watching film for two hours after he threw after practice. And it was like, you know, he spent that time to really understand and, and go out there and perform. And so, yeah, you want your quarterback to be the one that's saying, let's get out there. But, you, you know, you want your receivers to be like, hey, hey, guys, let's get out there. Let's get on the judge machine. Let's get some extra work in. So you want that voice in the receiver room. That's, you know, and Breeze was that voice for us, um, you know, our last year who I was like, man, let's get out there. Let's, you know, let's do what we do, guys. Um, but, yeah, man, it all, it, and also, it comes down to that culture that you're building. Um, you want guys that are, you know, willing to put the work in to, to, to achieve the goals that the team set out. So I'm, I'm, Malik, it's funny because I wanted him to watch this, this video. I knew we had it. But I'm not sure if oh here it is. I'll bring it up in a second. But Avery Davis, who Malik says reminds him of you on the squad, was asked a question on a podcast. <laughs> I thought I had the video. He was asked a question on the podcast last year. And they basically asked him, like, yo, how you go about learning your releases and, you know, getting off bump and run? And he was like, man, look, you know, I, I went to YouTube and learned different releases. And we were like, well, what the heck is the wide receiver coach doing? Like, like, fam, if you're going to YouTube to learn your releases and then come to find out, reportedly, reportedly, the ex-wide receiver coach Dale Alexander told people, upon leaving Notre Dame that he didn't have any dogs in the wide receiver room. And I was like, yo, fam, that's wild. Like, didn't you recruit these dudes? <laughs> like, you recruited them to Notre Dame and you get them there and now you just like, nah, we, we have a bunch of role players, which was his exact words. Damn. What are your thoughts about that? And then tell me about the guys on the wide receiving core and what makes it special is you work in the slot, you were really good with your feet, releases, running patterns. Like, how much work goes into that? And, you know, the wide receiver court, in my opinion, might be the most important, other than the offensive line, they might be the most important position room going into Ohio State. Yeah, nah, I... So from my from my lens, it's it's definitely a combination. Like you know, your receiver coach, you know, they're gonna teach what they know, um, and so you know, not all times they have an understanding of all the different types of releases. So it's definitely on a receiver coach from a drill work standpoint. Like you want to work drills that you know give not just teach the guys different releases, but give them the freedom to try different releases. And I think that's one of the it's an underrated point. Where you get in practice and you know you're out of Notre Dame and you feel like you got a five star behind you and you feel like I just can't mess up. But practice is the point of practice is to practice, and so you want to be able to practice different types of release. Sometimes you might get hemmed up, and that's something that you throw out the toolbox. Uh, but finding kind of what works for you, and so you know, shoot, some guys nowadays with with Instagram and YouTube, you have 
you know, an opportunity to learn from any and everybody. I think, you know, it's a dope thing about the internet. So shoot, yeah, you might learn something on YouTube. Try it. You might get hemmed up, you know, throw it out the toolbox. And if it works, it works. Uh, you know, one of the, you know, my methods is I like to just, you know, I learn from the guys around me where, you know, I remember Corey Robinson, he was a power releaser. Um, you know, Will, you know, he liked to square guys up off the line and give a jab step. And he did a great job of, you didn't know if he was going inside or outside. Um, and just seeing guys are like, okay, he just burnt him in a game. You know, Breeze, you know, he liked to do, he was a jab releaser. He also had a nice little speed release. And so just seeing like, okay, that really worked. Walk me through, like, what was, you know, what were you thinking about there? And so I like to talk to my teammates to get an understanding, you know, because shoot, you know, these guys all went to play in the NFL, you know, and, and do what they did in, in their careers. And so it's like, you know, use the people around you to learn from them too. Um, and so that's what I really used to do is just really ask, like, okay, now let's take a second, you know, walk me through that. And then what I would do also is flip the script. And then I would talk to the DBs and say, yeah. what is your coach telling you? that you can't let happen on this play. You're like, well, my coach told me I can't, you know, don't let you go inside. So, all right, bet. I'm going to threaten you inside, get you scared because you don't want to get yelled at. And then now I got a free release on this. And so it was also trying to understand from the opposite end. But it was really, for me, it was like using my teammates to understand what's working, what's not working, and then how was the defense thinking. But, you know, I think, you know, him using YouTube, shoot, try to get as many tools as you can. Um, and then what the coach said, I mean, college sports, you know, coaches are, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you, there's only so few coaches. That's what I like about Coach Freeman, that he seems like he's a real genuine dude that actually cares about the players. Because um, you don't get, you know, you really don't, I don't know the receiver coach who, who you name, so I can't speak on him personally, but, you know, that response is, you know, college coach response. So not too surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there. We thank you so much for giving us some of your time today, man. Always welcome. Big time friend of the program. We appreciate you coming on to celebrate your boy's birthday week. And we can't wait to have you uh, back on sometime soon, man, over the spring and over the summer. Yes, sir, man. Thank you so much. Shout out to Lucky Lefty Podcast, man. That's right, appreciate man. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate And the player's company. And the player's company. One hey, more time. Man, let's get it, man. Show love for the player's company. Anything you want to plug before you go? Hey, check us out today. We're on Twitter Spaces coming in 10 minutes. If y'all got any time, we got a Twitter space. Today it's called Bread 3.0, really exploring the intersection of Web 3 and wealth generation. So we're going to have some pretty thoughtful conversations. So hop in, check us out. Uh, but appreciate y'all. Follow him at SolarBot3, SolarBot3 on Twitter. He is Amir Carlisle. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, take care. Yes, man. Yo, happy birthday, bro. Hey, thanks again, man. This is uh, something about those February, uh, those Pisces, man. And the March Pisces ain't the ones to be dealing with. So, birthday tomorrow continues. We will be starting at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Tomorrow on the show, that cat juice, Dexter Williams. Dude jumps in to wish Malik a happy birthday this week, man. And then we have another special guest lined up on Friday. It's Malik's birthday week. This is how we're doing it. We spend it different on the Lucky Lefty podcast. So let's talk about it, bro. The path to greatness for Tyler Butler before we get out of here. <laughs> 
more than anybody, the offensive line, the improvement there, and what you just said about having those running backs in that running game. But Tyler Buckner, especially early on as he starts for the first time in the horseshoe, you want him to be throwing to man-to-man situations rather than trying to dissect the zone and read a lot of coverages, especially post-snap. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's going to be the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, he is going to get some man opportunities. I just think it's important for Tyler to feel comfortable having those one-on-ones because having the athletes we do have, I think we're going to have some favorable. Just don't throw it to the other team. You know, the 50-50 balls are much more comfortable to throw than the timing routes as your first time starting Ohio State where – you're throwing the spots, being on time. Your nerves are going to be a little bit all over the place. But if you got a guy running right down the field and he's 50-50 with the other guy, I mean, your, your, your talent's got to kick in at some point and make a play. So if all else fails, he'll be able to take off and run, which will also help, you know, break up the defense a little bit. But if defenses start playing top down, it's going to be tough. So he's going to have to start hitting some shots down deep. That's what I got started to get really good at when I was getting into it, uh, playing in the game. And when I, when I was able to do it, I mean, we were scoring all over the place from deep shots to running the football. So that's kind of what I see the track for Tyler being uh, in anything else right now. It's just going to get him to a slow start because he's, he's had a tough challenge with that first game. So for you, the difference in having a guy that can get stronger as the game goes on rather than a guy like Chris Tyree, who's more of a home run hitter. How does one benefit Tyler Buckner and his development over the other? I think if you got a guy like Chris Tyree and for Tyler Buckner, some of the stuff they were doing in the Fiesta Bowl, like throwing swings and reverses to him, giving him some misdirections, giving him some stuff where he can get it outside the tackle box and get some yardage where the, the, there's more of long handoffs and not actual throws that he has to be precise on. That's how you use Chris Tyree to get those in between the the 30s, get those uh, meat and potato yards, just giving him something almost like a scat back, which is going to suck the defense up. Like I said, you want to be able to get Braden Lindsey, Styles, uh, and even some of those freshmen behind the defense with these one-on-one matchups. And Tyler does have talent to push the ball down the field further than Jack. So that combination should come in handy for the talent of what we try to put together around Tyler in order to go undefeated and, and win a championship this year. You mentioned it. And then hey, um, Carlisle mentioned it. Amir mentioned it. The leadership you showed in the offseason between 2014 and 2015, taking the bull by the horn taking the wide receivers out on the field to get extra work even after spring practice. And it's something I want to show this quick clip. Notre Dame posted it today. And it looks from the looks of it, it looks like Tyler Buckner has ingratiated himself in the workout group to work out with the offensive line. And I want to get your thoughts on it. Let's give it a little sneak peek. I used to believe that when a storm hit, I metal toughness bring me through. But you know what I found out? It wasn't enough. You gotta have trust. You gotta have faith. You gotta have love. Be brothers and teammates. Get you working together. Come on, be a star, Jack. 
that every guy here is paid the same price. He's the guy next to you. You cannot fake that. You have to earn that. Hey, family, off two, one, two, family. Yo, and then you saw, yo, that's Tyler Buckner spotting Jared Patterson. Like behind him, like, yo, let's go. And to see that, you know, that's very encouraging. To see the young quarterback rolling with the old lineman, like, okay, I like to see that. I need to see Lorenzo Styles Jr. go a little bit deeper on that squat, though, bro. Just a little bit, but if if it's gonna help hurt your back or something on your hamstrings, take you saw that too, though, right? Yeah, just a little, you know, young guy, young guy. Oh man, so how encouraged? Does that encourage you? As far as Tyler Butler, at least from a leadership standpoint, I mean, of course, we have to wait to see it on the field. But does, does that encourage you to see him taking the initiative? Man, I'm going to go work out with the big dogs because those are the dudes I need to have a relationship with, them and the wide receivers. Yeah, if I'm the quarterback, I'm going to the O-line first to establish a good relationship with, especially a guy like Jerry Patterson where I'm like, you're, you're a guy that can protect some people pretty well. So I probably want to get you on my side the first and foremost. Uh, other than that, I mean, I, I like the attempt to be that guy when the when the time comes. It's really going to show in practice. It's really going to show in moments in the game when it matters. But this is all the necessary work you got to put in beforehand. And he's trying. You know, I don't know what it's like off the field, but it's the moments when nobody's looking is really when it matters for a quarterback and establishing genuine relationships where guys can trust that they can follow you. And, you know, doing it for the camera these days, you don't know what's real or not. So I hope uh, it's encouraging that he's trying, and hopefully it results in the chemistry you'll see on the field. Now, how do you go from, for you, that comfort level in the backfield was Torian Folsom? Audrey Estime is a totally different type of runner. What it is what is it specifically about him that makes you say that's the guy they need to take the bull by the horn if Tyler Buckman is going to become the quarterback and his offense is going to be what it needs to be? Somebody's got to be the bruiser of the of the offense. I think we got a lot of finesse players like Styles and Lindsey and Avery Davis, and even Michael Mayer is not a bruiser of a tight end. But then you need a bruiser in the backfield, somebody especially on these blocks and these linebackers coming in has something to think about. I think that's a much more challenge to think about a running in crazy when you got an Aldrich estimate blocking as opposed to the other guys on the roster. Not that they can't do it, but, you know, that along with him being a punisher in the run game is going to take some, some chunks off the defense, soften him up a little bit and allow Tyler to be able to, put his impact in there, too, in the run game that can hopefully keep him healthy this year. So I think Audrey Estimate being the the one Dennis Robin on a team full of finesse players, I think is what's needed if they want a chance to get into the nitty-gritty late in the season when they need to call on the run game to win this game. A couple of questions before we get out of here. DA, number 36 bus, do you guys think TB has the type of personality that can command the huddle and all the players' attention? Uh, the way he ran the ball, he comes across as an alpha male. The way he comes on the field, he feels like he's the best player on the field when he has the ball in his hand. Yeah, he's got sort of that like Kyler Murray arrogance where he, you know, he trusted his ability 
in that, you know, he's he's not going to be the necessarily the most talkative, rowdy, rah-rah type of guy to bring guys together. He's going to rely more on his competitive spirit and his energy on the field and his playmaking ability to kind of get guys to fall in line behind that. And then, you know, he'll I'm sure he'll input what he wants to say at the right time when he has to. And it just it's just his type of uh, skill set. I think it'll show differently to what a Drew Pine will show because he'll be more rah-rah uh, in your face, talking to you, uh, more of like your homeboy and, and instead of like, you know, the guy that's the best guy on the team that's going to make the team better. Yeah, I think we have one more question or comment. Jeff Luke, what do you think about this, bro? Legacy weekend, two-on-two basketball tournament? Yeah, just good. We got to play Chicago style because it would be too hard to <laughs> play a hundred different two-on-two teams. Man, Chicago style is the best style, just like Chicago style pizza is the best style, bro. Yeah, I took it too far. Man. I'm just letting you know, man. You got to show respect. <laughs> got to show respect we lead we do we lead the country in so much yeah i hear that you lead the country all right <laughs> <laughs> lucky lefty podcast so as we close up this conversation of surrounding tyler buckner he walks into the horseshoe and you know i've been trying to tell notre dame fans like look we don't need that dude to throw for 350 he doesn't have to have a better game than C.J. Stroud statistically. He can't turn the ball over, and he has to make the plays when they're there. That's it. That's, that's it. Let's run the ball. Let's pound them, hit them in the mouth, and let our defense do what they do. Yeah. That's the formula to win. There will be plenty of opportunities for big plays. When you get the opportunities, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. Take, take Not it. against this team. Yes. You just want him to be efficient. That's it. Be efficient. It's college football. Like, you can look to the sideline and get the play. It's not hard. You can get the audible from the sideline. Be efficient. Take the opportunities when they're afforded to you. And that's it. There's nothing more we can ask from the young man. And we hope he – man, I don't know if you hope he wins it. I hope he wins the starting job because it's a good thing. I will say this. Alabama quarterback Chris Vizina, Chris Vizina was supposed to be visiting Notre Dame this weekend. He has canceled that visit and uh, is now visiting Ole Miss. All I'm saying is – he might be canceling because he might have gotten the, the word that uh no need for you to come, bro. We got a commit coming. We got somebody committing soon. That's all I'm saying. That's the only reason a quarterback would just, oh, no, nah, I'm not going to go to Notre Dame. I'm going to go to Ole Miss. Like, yo, do you know something? Uh, it's either that or – Is it writing on the wall or – Hey, I'm just saying, I predicted that man had time in the blue and gold game, baby. I tried to tell you. Uh -oh. It's only right. I think that's, that's, that's spelling uh, good news out for us in the future. <laughs> you know, and maybe he just wants to stay in SEC country because he's from down there. Maybe that's what it is. But I just thought it was very interesting. 
Like he's had this locked in in days before he's supposed to be in South Bend. He chooses to go see Lane Kiffin mm. down at Ole Miss. Something to think about. Something to think about. You know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic? Petty Junction. Junction each and every day, Eddie's stories of the day. Bro, I don't know if you saw this story as reported by ESPN and New York Times. The New York Liberty, who happened to be owned by the same owner of the Brooklyn Nets, Joe Sy, were almost asked to leave the WNBA as a franchise because they allowed their players to fly on chartered flights. And it gave them an advantage over the other WNBA teams because the other WNBA teams could not afford or chose not to put their teams on chartered flights. Look, man. This has got to stop. Yo, it doesn't get any pettier than that, dude. It's got to stop. You can't. You're mad at another man's pockets and how he wants to treat his employees. You see how they doing this? Those are his. Those women are his employees. And as a league, you would think that you would ask the other owners to step up and do the same thing. Step up and improve how your players are treated. They, act like, they, they act like these owners don't have the money to do all this. Like they got Man. a strict budget, like they a ball on the budget. They got the ability to do it the next day. They just don't. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You can't charter a plane for your basketball team. And it's not like the WNBA season. It's a long season. It's like what? Two and a half months in the summer? Not that bad. Three months in the summer? Come on. And then where are you going? Yeah, the next city over. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. I could not shout out to Joe Sy for stepping up and right. treating the New York Liberty the same way he treats his players for the Brooklyn Nets. That's right. And shame on the WNBA for not stepping up and requiring that the rest of the owners treat their players the exact same way. It's ridiculous, man. It's absolutely ridiculous. That's just as ridiculous as the Lakers talking about trading LeBron. No, that's spot on. though. Whoa, whoa. That's spot on. That's spot on. They should absolutely... I'm not saying they should do it, but they should absolutely uh, do a, a kumbaya group and talk about it. Oh, absolutely. See, it's that, that Chicago Jordan hate. Yes, you guys are no, number no, no, one. No, 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 no. This is no LeBron. No, this no, no, is no. this LeBron. Right. Okay, you tell me. You tell me how they get out of this mess. Tell me how What's they that? get out of cap hell. Wait a minute. Tell me the move that gets them out of cap hell. Tell me the move. That's going to keep Anthony Davis healthy. 
Tell, tell, to let me know. <laughs> let me know. You the first of all, you don't get rid of LeBron. That's first and foremost. That's like, like Shaq said, you'll never, ever, ever win a championship game. Because how are you gonna? Okay, that's number rule number one. Second, you got to get rid. You got to cut Russell Westbrook. Just release him after the season. Give him respect. He's a seventy-five. His money's still on the books. It's guaranteed. They got to get him out of there somehow. They had the trade deadline. Couldn't get it done. But they're gonna. So, they're gonna. The deal was there. Rob Palinka and Jenny Buss said no to the deal. They couldn't get it done. That's they what told saying. LeBron and AD, this is the bed you made. Make it work. You asked for this. Make it work. Jenny needs to soften up because I don't know what she thinks this is. She's, no, no, she's been too soft. That's a problem. She's and we'll get rid of we'll get rid of Frankie V because we need it. We need just a freshen up the scenery. As long as we keep Russell Westbrook on the bench long enough, we'll figure out like something with cap space. They're just being spiteful right now because we're fighting to get in the playoffs. Bron's not worried about it. They're going to get some better pieces around them coming up. But it's just if you can't you can't move forward when the team and people in the organization are holding you back. All I'm saying is, if you had to ask me who would win a championship first. LeBron James or Steph Curry. I'm putting my money on Steph. Steph has a better chance of winning a championship over the next two years than LeBron. Because LeBron, for damn sure, ain't winning a championship this year. That's okay. He can't win it every, he can't go every year. And once again, I ask you, tell me the move that is going to put a championship team around LeBron James. Let me know in LA. Let me know. It'll work. It'll work out. What'll work? What's going to work is time is going to work. Time solves all. They're losing to the Clippers with Kawhi and PG on the sideline, dude. No, yeah, that's it's tough. Austin Reeves, one of our best players right now. And shout out because I love my Chicago dudes, but that cat Taylor Horton Tucker is looking like boo boo right now. And he I love looks, my Chicago dudes. Yeah, he looking pretty. Uh, that cat Kendrick Nunn that got out there went straight straight L.A. Yeah, he threshed to death on the sideline and ain't played a game yet. Ain't played not one. I bet you in the club every night too. I bet he's in the club every night. They going through it. I'm definitely telling you. Dude. So it's like, I do, man, I honestly, man, I don't have a problem, man. I'm thinking about trading LeBron, man. You know what you can get back from LeBron? A team. Oh, man. A whole team. A whole starting five. Dude, you could get back. <laughs> um, all right, look. Would you trade him to? I wouldn't trade LeBron, man. That's disrespectful. No, first of all, nothing's disrespectful, dude. Technically, LeBron's been traded twice. What? Yeah. You're not trading LeBron. LeBron's telling you where he wants to go. No, no. 
He's technically been traded twice and signed in trades. Technically. See. Well, he's already been traded. Technically, Jordan technically shouldn't be considered the GOAT technically because LeBron James accomplished way more technically. I mean, if that's if novices like yourself want to think that. Novice? They call the novice. <laughs> I mean, I'm totally fine. You know, I don't have a problem with that being coming from a novice. I don't do. You know? novice. Yeah, right. That's because you could want a couple of two on twos, dude, down to Notre Dame. Don't mean you know a hooping. Look, I'm telling you. I know one thing, though. According to Amir Carlisle, you know how to get dunked on. I know that. I thought nah, we found that out today. We gotta, we you definitely gotta. <laughs> you definitely know how to get yammed on. I gotta get Doug Randolph on the show now. Yeah, yeah, we definitely gotta get Doug. The information he gave us today, I have to solidify this story because I don't give it to me in detail. Doug gonna tell you, he's gonna tell you exactly how he already know he can count the hairs, the gray hairs on the mirror's head. The way he did it, I was on the side, like, because he blew by me. Amir told you he blew by. I wasn't in front of him. I was chasing. It was Amir that was in the way. And 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 that was really what got the crowd going, ooh, and ah, ooh, because he failed. See, he, he ain't talking about all that. Amir failed. But that's another story. So, last but not least on the petty train, the governor of Florida... Ron DeSantis, who visited and held a press conference at the University of Southern Florida today. And I'm just gonna play the clip and then I'll come back and talk about it, man. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything and we gotta stop with this COVID theater. So if you wanna wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's good to be at USF. Bruh, I, I don't want to jump in the pulpit on this, dude, because I really care less. I think in the middle of this thing, both sides have been bullies. I don't care if you love wearing a mask, want to wear a mask, your science goes this way, your belief in the science goes the other way. I don't care. You're an adult. Make a decision, live with the decision, but your decision does not make the next person stupid or dumb. They make the decision that they feel like is best for them. Period. Both sides of this coin have been bullies in this situation. With what they, yeah, they tried to bully the other side with the information that they believe in. And ultimately, it's ridiculous because we all want the same thing, a healthy environment to live in. That's all we want. Everybody wants this pandemic to be over with. Everybody. Everybody's frustrated. But for the governor to go to a press conference with USF students lined up, Behind him, where he's talking about a new program that they've established for students at that, that particular university to berate them in front of everybody over a mask. Like, what, dude, what do you, who cares? Why do you even care that they're wearing a mask? Why do you even care? It doesn't affect you. If you and the rest of your cronies don't want to wear masks, don't wear them. Come and do what you were supposed to do. Make the announcement. Support the school, go get back in your suburban, and go on your merry way. That's it. What are we doing? 
Are you kidding me? I'm telling you now, if that was my son standing up there, okay, word, that's what we're doing. But what he didn't say nothing bad though, technically. Bro, he just said, you yes, know, dude, don't tell my kid that this is COVID EA. Obviously, they feel like <laughs> obviously they feel like they need to wear that, or they're operating in some school mandate if they're wearing that. They're wearing it for a reason, right? But see, that's where it gets twisted because then they're like, why are they dropping the mandates now? It's just like... Uh, All of it is foolishness. I'm not here to argue. <laughs> mask on, mask off. I don't care. I'm not future. I don't care. My point is, when you're the adult in the room, act like it. There you go. That's it. You're the governor of the state. Act like it, man. It has nothing... You, you're the governor over the same people that believe in the mask and the people that don't believe in you're the governor to all of them that's true so act like an adult and do your job it's as simple as that do i'll give you my experience i was the only one wearing a mask when i went to media day coming from the state of illinois where everything was mandated going to indiana where it's nothing. It was absolutely nothing. Not only was I the only pepper in the room. He's a mass pepper. I was a mass pepper. <laughs> and I didn't give a darn. I didn't give a darn. I didn't. Damn, that's crazy. I didn't get, dude, you know I didn't care about the looks I was getting. I didn't. You didn't, I know what you, you didn't know what reason it was for, so it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. I was there to do a job. I didn't care. But I did what I wanted to do. And what I was doing didn't impact anybody else. That's the kicker. How is my attire, what I have on, why is it impacting you so much? Why? It's not keeping you from doing your job. It's not keeping you from having a good day. Do your thing. Here these kids are, happy to be a part of this press conference and represent their school, and this dude just comes straight in and he's just talking crazy. Like, man, calm your tail down and read what your, what your assistant has typed up for you. It's not like it's your words anyway. Come on, man. We got to stop being petty towards each other. It's a, it's a bigger story to this, bro. Me and you can disagree on a lot of things in life. We had a conversation. I don't even know if you watched uh, the Swan song this, sat, this Sunday. You and I have had discussions about certain things concerning a certain individual. <laughs> right? We, we fall on two different sides of the coin. <laughs> But that's not going to make us have a beef. <laughs> we, we differ on opinion about something that has nothing to do with us. And all of a sudden, we don't have beef over that? Because we have a difference of opinion? Really? Well, people, well, people beef over $2. So, you know. Come on, man. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, bro. Come on, man. Yes, that's my new nickname, Mass Pepper. The Mass Pepper. The Mass Pepper. <laughs> 
Dude, I do. When I saw that clip, I'm like, man, bro, I'm dude. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is a, this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's good to be at USF. So it was nine students up there. Two of them took their masks off. The other seven said, man, shut up. <laughs> this is COVID theater, dude. COVID theater. Lucky Lefty Podcast here. That's what Man, it is. look, presented and featuring Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com. Tomorrow, Juice, number two, Dexter Williams in the house on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Search A2S Network. You get all of our podcasts right there. Subscribe, share more more than anything. Hit that like button. Hit the like button. We appreciate you. We're almost there to 2,000 subscriptions. We almost have 2,000 subscribers. It's all because of you, LL Nation. We appreciate you. Let everybody know. And make sure you tell everybody that we're off mornings and back to evenings for the off season. So for my boy, Malik Zaire, the overtime Malik, Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. Tap in with us always. We are the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Lucky Lefty Podcast where we spend it different.